Hi, this is Claire. And this is Mike. And welcome to the Finding Philadelphia podcast. Today, we are talking about the topic of discipline, both of ourselves and of children. We're excited about sharing this topic with you because we have a lot of experience with this over the seven years of our marriage. And we've had a lot of help. We've read a lot about this. So we hope you're excited too. Before we jump in to this topic, tell me about your Advent and anything you've experienced. It's the fourth Sunday of Advent, one week till Christmas. The countdown is on, but how has your Advent been? It's been going well. I think this is definitely the longest Advent that we can have, but it still seems like it's going fast. Uh, One thing for me is I've been reading with you the Word of the Lord by John Bergsma. John Bergsma is a professor at Steubenville, and he puts together these books for each of the yearly cycles for the different Sunday readings, and he does everything, including the Psalms, and it's really insightful, and it's been invigorating to my faith uh, just to kind of get to that deeper level, and some of the insights he brings really speak to me. It's been really powerful, especially to read alongside you. I know there's some, he even breaks down because of his knowledge in biblical studies and even language, it opens up the Bible and scripture in such a powerful way. Just even one word can change my whole outlook on a verse or a gospel reading. It's very powerful. And I wish everyone would just be taught that growing up in the faith. It would just make the faith come so alive. So he is such a gift to our church. This book is such a gift to our church, and I'm glad we're picking it up, um, this Advent. It's been beautiful. Well, let's get right into it. So discipline, what is it? And what are the important things to think about when we talk about discipline for your children? And for ourselves, we'll be adding that in throughout discipline of ourselves. But the focus right now, we will talk about children. So this is a topic we get asked about a lot, especially on Instagram when I do questions and answers. It's about discipline. The topic of discipline often comes up. Right from the outset, we need to think about our own experience of discipline and maybe the wounds that we carry were we excessively disciplined or were we not disciplined enough? Do we have wounds or baggage from the way we were disciplined? Because I know that affects how we ourselves discipline and how we view authority. There's so many ramifications of how we were disciplined. Um, It's how we view God the Father in a lot of ways What do you think from the outset, just the topic of discipline? What comes to mind for you? Yeah, I like what you said about excess and defect. I think, you know, excessive, we we need the correct amount of discipline. And defect, we need the right kind of discipline. I think those are the two things to think about. For me, I think the important thing that we can start with, no matter what, is first get to know your children. I think knowing your children allows you to understand their wants, their needs, the the different uh, things they may be going through or experiencing, and really being able to read them. So uh, we talked about this the last time with uh, the theme of the moment. It, It extends to your children as well. 
Can you understand the theme of the moment for your child? And that will absolutely affect the way that you discipline. A huge turning point for me as a parent in discipline, I remember Googling, like, how do I discipline my toddler? (laughs) It's not talked about a lot. And do we go too far? I know I question, do I spank? Do I not spank? There was a lot of confusion and lack of clarity for me with disciplining as a new parent. And a turning point for me, I remember seeing a blog post by Kendra Tierney, Catholic all year blog she has, and she speaks about discipline and she has many children and so much wisdom. So I saw her as a great resource to learn about discipline. And one thing in an article that she said was that we have to discipline immediately when something happens And secondly, that the consequence has to match the fault. We have to follow through immediately and no outlandish consequences because we won't follow through if they're outlandish. For example, if our children hit at the playground, we don't say, if you hit one more time, then dot, dot, dot. No, an immediate consequence has to happen. And secondly, If they do hit at the playground, we wouldn't say, if you hit again, then we won't go to your grandmother's for the next year. That is so outlandish, and you Mm -hmm. won't follow through with that. Right. And that that, there's something that comes from game theory, which I've studied in my degrees, about credible threats. Not that we want to threaten our children, it's just the term for it, but you want to have credible things that you're going to follow through on as you're mentioning. And that's so important to have as an incentive. Otherwise, I mean, kids are smart. They know when you're not going to follow through. Disciplining immediately creates that sense of trust in your children. They will push boundaries, but when there's that safety of discipline, that does create trust, a sense of trust. It's the freedom within the borders. So that was a huge turning point for me. And immediately when I started implementing what she spoke about, about that zero chances, I would say, Peter, be a first-time listener, and then having the consequence match the fault, I saw such a huge change in myself and also in our family life too, and Peter and his listening and it was a huge turning point for us. In talking about what discipline is in a mother's rule of life, um, one uh, one book that has been pivotal Great for book. our marriage, and we refer to it often, um, she talks about discipline, and the word disciple is derived from discipulus. How do you say yeah, it? Yeah, that would be it. D-I-S-C-I-P-U-L-U-S, meaning student. Hence, the basis of all discipline is to teach, or more appropriately, in relation to the parent role, to apprentice my children in life. This, too, begins by witnessing virtue to my children and living out a loving relationship with them. So after I read that, that was such a mind shift for me because I saw discipline as an apprenticeship, seeing Peter as a student. And it we don't discipline, um, it stopped the excess of discipline for me. Right. And it, and it puts it into the natural order of where it should be. 
I think also in that book was the notion of how does God the Father discipline us and how how does he father us and then how can we mimic him as parents and really meditating and reflecting on that helped me a lot to think more about one my own discipline experiences with my parents but then also how would I discipline Peter and wanting to be that loving father and she also mentions that we don't want the fear of ourselves or the fear of punishment to be the motive for good behavior because that just leads to hiding and sneaking around in rebellion when we discipline in fear. So just to have that end goal of virtue and that we are creating disciples. Right. I think the the stress is always for us has always been on mercy over fear. And you're, you want to establish that relationship of trust with your children, just as God wants that with for us. He wants a relationship with us. He wants to know us, and we should do the same with our children. And so every action we take, including our discipline, should foster that relationship and continue to strengthen it. I love, too, that she mentions um, not to discipline out of habit or mm. our arbitrary desires or emotions or feelings, which is so tempting to do sometimes. Um, especially if we're tired, hungry, letting our emotion take over. It's truly about seeing the objective view of things, asking God to give give us his eye and his wisdom, especially in disciplining. Right. And I even see a an analogy to the sacrament of reconciliation where there's kind of two parts. You tell what you've done. And you're sorry for that. You make your act of contrition and then you're given a penance, something to make up for it. And I know we we talk about those times when we've had to make things right. Those are more memorable than just a, you're grounded. You know, you can't go anywhere. You can't play with this toy or whatever it is in our own experiences. But then translating that with, with Peter as well. It, it does mimic that sense of contrition and penance. Definitely. I know in, in my experience, thinking back of how I was disciplined, some of my most memorable experiences and transformations have been through when I had to make right a situation and that mortifying moment where you have to call your mom's friend and apologize because you said something so rude. That is more memorable than not being allowed to go to a friend's house, but making sure our children, and for example, at the playground, say your child hits, not it shouldn't be you saying, oh, I'm so sorry. Have your child and be with them, bring them, lead them, stoop down, look them in the eye, explain what, why you can't do that, and then have them apologize, have them mm-hmm. say sorry, have them make it right. That Those are the mo- memorable teaching moments. Right. It should be an experiential teaching moment. There's also natural consequences that, mm-hmm. what what do you think of that? Right. I th- I think sometimes there's the kind of thing where we, we sometimes expect our kids to know, oh, you shouldn't touch a hot stove or something like that, where if they're going to get burned, whether it's literally or figuratively, 
sometimes that consequence of, oh, I shouldn't have touched that hot stove is enough to teach them. And there's no addition on our part. There's nothing that we can add or should add necessarily to bolster that lesson that they've learned. Because sometimes it's just like, oh, you, you burned your hand. So you're, you know that you're not going to do that again. Yeah, sometimes the natural consequence is the consequence. That's enough. And to really, again, I'll I'll keep saying it, but ask God for that wisdom. Should I continue to discipline or was this enough? But often natural consequences can be enough. One thing I was thinking about when we were preparing for this podcast was the importance of our own joy and showing that joy to our children We talked about how discipline leads to a virtuous life, and it does lead to joy. Yet, it could be confusing to our children if we're explaining all this and the reason for discipline and why we're disciplining, yet we aren't joyful. We aren't showing that fruit, that tangible fruit of a virtuous life. Because they could look at us and and be like, my parents are so mopey, so down. I, I don't want that. What? What's the point then? What's the point of living a virtuous life? But to if they see that tangible joy with us, that fruit of a virtuous life, they will desire to lead the good life. Absolutely. And that kind of brings us into the self-discipline portion as well, where the the examples that we give through our own self-discipline help to be an example for our children. And so that means regulating our reactions, our faces. I remember the one time you were pulling out a book by Jose Maria Escriva and you showed me a portion of it where he's talking about, he's almost chastising whoever he's writing to about, don't make faces like a little kid. You know, you're, you're an adult and you have to act that way. And that one really struck me as like, oh, like I make faces a lot. <laughs> I need to be a little bit better with that and and regulate because kids notice these things. And you you are disciplining in a sense every time you act because in, in their presence, because they see, oh, something went wrong and dad made a face or dad grumbled or something like that. I guess that's okay. I guess that's the way to do it. And that's not what we want, but those are the kinds of things that we can work on than ourselves. I also think about keeping justice as the center. So giving a situation or people their due, which is what justice is. So are we listening? Are we regulating our emotions and tone of voice or maybe the way we're looking when we're in difficult situations, whether it's with a coworker or someone just being difficult in our normal lives? Yes, to discipline well, we ourselves need to be disciplined. Something basic, and I think, especially as a nurse, I think of this right away, is to, if our children are acting out frequently or there's just not a rhyme or reason to it, just to look at their physical panel, (laughs) just to see how they're doing mentally, physically, emotionally, because so often when children act out or need to be disciplined, it, especially when they're young, it's a cry for help. And usually there's an underlying cause. So 
to make sure before we jump and discipline to check those physical needs first and to make sure those are met. Yeah, I see that sometimes. I mean, even in myself, like if I'm hungry or something and it's like, well, my my emotions might not be what they should be given what I'm either going through or different circumstances. So it's the same for our kids, you know, whatever they're they're going through, whether it's physical or internal, whatever it is. When we are disciplining our children, especially when it's something happens in front of a lot of people, it's important not to humiliate them. Mm -hmm. And this goes back to the beginning, what we were saying about God the Father, how does he discipline us? And it is so full of mercy. We were reading this book, it's called The Choice Wine, Seven Steps to a Super Abundant Marriage. I refer to it here and there. It's beautiful. He talks about the possibility of super abundant mercy and references St. John Bosco, who worked a lot with the youth. And something that St. John Bosco developed was something he called the preventative method. And the goal was to place the youth in the impossibility of committing faults by having them at all times under the vigilant eye of the rector who, like loving fathers, talk with them, guide them in any difficulty, and give them advice and correction in a kind manner. They treated the youth entirely with reason and religion and above all with kindness. And then St. John Bosco, the author, gives an example that St. John Bosco on one occasion asked the government for permission to take 300 inmates from the local prison eight miles into the countryside of Turin, where he lived, to visit an abandoned hunting lodge. And he was adamant, St. John Bosco, that no prison guards would join them. And at first, the the prison was like, no way, this this is crazy. They, they'll run away, they'll hurt you. Yet the government officials eventually complied with St. John Bosco's request. And it says, to the government's great surprise, the entire day was filled with song and joy and laughter and every single prisoner returned. The minister of the interior begged St. John Bosco, show me how you can gain such control over them. And his answer to them was to minister with super abundant mercy. This was really beautiful to read because God's justice is mercy. He he sees our faults. He sees our weaknesses. His justice is merciful love. There's a book that I got. I'm about halfway through How St. John Bosco Punished by Father Augustine O'Frey. I'm about halfway through, but it does have great insight on how he punished and how he achieved that merciful love um, that really transformed the youth of Turin. It's amazing. And another thing that we've been talking about as we've prepared for this is not to grow weary and be diligent in discipline. So you have to be self-disciplined to discipline. <laughs> It's so much easier to sit and scroll on your phone when something happens than to get yourself up and discipline when it needs to happen. I also see this sometimes in older generations as some parents age, they get 
physically tired or mentally, emotionally tired of disciplining, and we cannot grow weary. And it goes back to our first point about knowing your children and knowing yourself. What would you say for someone, an adult, maybe they don't have children, but who has wounds from how they were disciplined? What's something they could do or a way they could seek healing from those wounds? I would be honest with yourself in terms of what what are the root causes of those wounds. And I'm sure for some it might not be difficult to think of specific times that those wounds are reminding you of. If you need to, go see a counselor. That can be beneficial. I think journaling and writing out what what the wounds are. Something that could be healing with this is going to a good confessor and seeing how Mm -hmm. lovingly that you can tell all your wounds and sins and they are received lovingly and respectfully and almost in a hidden way. They aren't allowed to share those, those wounds, but just in a beautiful healing way and to experience Christ and his love, that deep fatherly love. And also, I I would also, in addition to confession, read the the story of the two brothers. Mm. That parable, sometimes, is it the prodigal son? Yes. Sometimes called that. Um, but the story of the two brothers and how the father is always waiting with open arms, ready to receive us and to really contemplate that. And But like Mike said, just to to look at your wounds and acknowledge them and they're real and just see how they're affecting your life now. Maybe it's the way you view someone after they critique you, you take it super harshly or the way you view authority, maybe with a sense of rebellion, but how those wounds we carry from how we were disciplined affect us now. And then with all of this, dealing with our own wounds and our children's and discipline and self-discipline, we cannot do this without Christ and his grace. And to always, always ask him for that grace, which is talk about superabundant mercy, superabundant grace. It is always available. We cannot do family life without him Mm -hmm. at the center with his grace. Right. And that's the thing is we're not going to be perfect in in our discipline. And so those times that you do mess up, it's important as parents to ask your children for forgiveness and and apologize and say, I'm I'm sorry, I didn't do what I was supposed to do here. And and again, children are smart. They know. And it's amazing how quick they are to forgive and Mm -hmm. forget. They truly just bounce right off to the next thing, but with joy. It is vital that we do apologize, though. We also talked about physical punishment, and I think that is going to be something people are curious about as they listen. What are your thoughts about physical punishment? Totally think it's ineffective and kind of goes against the whole spirit of what discipline is. If it's a teaching moment, what are you teaching your child if you're physically disciplining them, hitting them, spanking them. It it shows that they, in turn, when someone does something to wrong them, whether it's 
actually correct or a perception, they can then go and physically hit or hurt that person, which I, again, is totally against the spirit of discipline and the spirit of God. What if, and I'm thinking, sorry, I'm like bombarding you with questions, yeah. but what if one, I'm just anticipating what questions we might get asked. Yeah. What if spouses aren't on the same page with discipline? What do you recommend for them to do? And what if, let's say the father is really harsh and, and believes in spanking or the mother believes in spanking and, and does that, but the other spouse is like, no way, please don't do that. What do you recommend? Uh, it's time to go on a date and have a discussion, a serious discussion about what is going to be our discipline plan for our family. And there's going to have to be compromise. There's going to have to be discussion and uh, just really understanding the other person on where they're coming from and, and why. For both spouses, you, you have to come up with your why too. Why do you believe in physical discipline? Why do you want to do it this way? But whatever you come to at the end, it should be a unified front for your children so that, oh, well, if dad just says no, then maybe I can go to mom. I was know? just thinking of that pitting <laughs> one, like the spouses against each other. You totally could do that as a child mm -hmm. and see like, and it becomes almost like favoritism with one parent over the other or a secretive, like, oh, I'll ask them. I won't ask the other parent. And it's so important that parents are unified or at, at the very least know what the other spouse is um, standard of discipline is. Right. Because then it could become a wedge into the marriage, which is the foundation for the family. So it's so important to at least be aware. And if you have to agree to disagree, at least to, to present a unified front to your kids. And there's a beauty too in stepping back with, with all faults or, or sins. Sometimes we have to step back, whether it's our own, our spouses or our children before disciplining, take that minute. If you need to take that um, moment for you to be able to respond versus react. And if you do react harshly, again, make sure you do apologize. With self-discipline, what are some key factors, especially with, I, I find it really fascinating when you tie in what you've learned with your degree. I love this. What, what do you see with discipline that your degree has taught you or that we could implement. Mike, Mike has um, a degree in industrial engineering with a focus of operations research. And tell, tell people what operations research is really quick, and then we'll sure. tie it into self-discipline because I never knew what it was before I met him, and it's so fascinating and applicable to daily life. Yeah, operations research is essentially the optimization of a system or a problem. And it really kind of gained steam around World War II because that was, everyone wanted to find out how do you win a war with the least amount of bullets and people losing their lives and all that kind of stuff. So The history major in me lit up <laughs> when he first said that. 
Like, you know, that emoji with the hard eyes, I was like <laughs> a million of those around you. Yeah, I, I love it. And I think one of the biggest takeaways for me with operations research is that system level thinking and seeing that certain things affect other things in a way that sometimes you might not expect it. And so... uh there's there's a whole bunch more I could get into, but get into we, it. <laughs> if if you wanna just at the high level, there's every problem has some goal, and then you have constraints and variables, and those basically become what you can't change and what you're able to change. And so when I think about discipline, I think about what are what's your system, whether it's your whether it's your family, whether it's your life, your vocation. Look at the system and then look at the different things, actions, thoughts, words you'd say, things you're consuming, whether it's music, television, and how are they affecting different areas of your life. And if you need discipline uh, for me example like when I wake up at 5 a.m and I'm able to work out or just get ready for the day at at a better pace and not rush out the door then that has more fruits not only for myself but for my family as well I'm able to spend time with them in the morning and kind of take my time instead of rushing out the door so thinking about that system level thinking about okay what it's not just about me but like what where is this what are the things that are coming into me but what's going out and how's that affecting others and and my different roles in my life as husband as father as employee as employer um, all those different roles that we take upon ourselves but then also thinking about what are the things that I can change and what are the things that I can't change and and truly giving the things that I can't change up to God and then focusing on the improvement or the discipline of those things that I can change. I love when you talk about constraints and that's really fascinating to me. How would you tell or instruct someone to determine their constraints with the end goal of more discipline? How, how do you determine those? Do you Personally, do you just like sit down, write them out? Do you just go through day by day or? You can write them out. I, th I think there's different kinds of constraints. I mean, if we're talking about numbers, it's, uh, you know, everything in this problem has to be greater than zero. Maybe it's the number of dollars or something like that. It's like I, I, I can't do numbers. <laughs> I'm not a math girl, but I get your point. I yeah, get your so point. It's like what what's what's in the reasonable realm or the range of possibilities and even enumerating the obvious ones like I can't um, just immediately make my child do what they're supposed to be mm. doing or I can't immediately snap my fingers and my child knows how to tie their shoes or something like that it's like those are things that are constraints that we just have to work within and find out again what are the things that I can change within that so I can start teaching my child how to tie his shoes or ride a bike or whatever it is 
but I can't immediately just snap my fingers and then I'm there. Mm. There's time. That's a constraint. Time is a constraint. So you want to think about like what are what are the bounds that I can work in and what are the different variables in, in my life? What are the different things that are moving or people at play? Um, how do they interact with each other? I think that's that's, again, maybe the start of trying to define what those constraints are. When you're saying this, I'm thinking back to when I was dating you and I worked the night shift as a nurse, I had tons of constraints. Like I was exhausted all the time, worked at night, (laughs) just so many constraints. And it's almost like you have to know that, like you're saying, know them, but then pick one or two things to discipline yourself in because mm-hmm. I guess it's what am I I'm trying to say like your the more constraints I think sometimes you have to narrow down your expectation almost for for discipline mm-hmm. for that period of time maybe not I don't know it's well it's interesting because when you say that, I think again of like the math domain. Yeah, do the um, math for all those math <laughs> people, math minds, you'll get this. Different variables will be different planes or different uh, vectors. So like X, Y, think of a graph. X and Y mm-hmm. are two different vectors that you can change. But maybe you can only discipline yourself in the X range, whatever it is, while you're in the night shift. But what that does, it allows you to search around what's called the feasible region, which is every possible answer that you could get within your constraints. And so instead of thinking, again, it comes, it almost is like the faith where we think of like freedom within the boundaries. Wow. And so that's, that's your feasible region. But sometimes because of our constraints and as it's a little bit more nebulous or ambiguous as we try to place the math onto real life, you might not realize how big it really is. And so it might not be as limited as you think, but when you limit yourself to trying to discipline one, you're starting to move along one axis. And that's actually a way to start finding the answer. So that's one way to start finding that answer of like, how can I better myself or how can I improve myself from where I am? And you might not be the best, but you're starting to search and march toward the best. That's incredible. Wow. So on a basic level, (laughs) what are three ways that you personally would love to grow in discipline? I think I I talk about waking up at 5 a.m. I'm probably batting like a third right now for that. So... (laughs) really having that nailed down because I have more energy when I do that. I just have have more time. I don't feel rushed. And so I, I know that also affects maybe how I am for the rest of the day. Um, and again, like I said, there's other fruit for our family too. So that would be one thing. I think another thing would be carving out more time in prayer and you know, everybody always say, oh, I need more time to pray. But it's really just having the discipline to say, like, no, I'm not going to scroll or watch or whatever I'm going to do right now. It's like, I'm going to do this instead. And 
I think back of the stories you've shared when you didn't want to pray or anything, but you just faithfully read the Magnificat every day. And then it became this flowering of like more and more and more. And now, you know, you're reading like four or five books a month and all this other stuff, right? So <laughs> it's just amazing to see. But I, I'd like to get there too with uh, my prayer life specifically. And then I think regulating reactions for me, I think sometimes, um, not that I necessarily say or do anything when something happens and I might not be happy about it, but I definitely wear my emotions on my face sometimes <laughs> with mm-hmm. my with my reactions. Like if someone says something a little odd, I might like raise my eyebrow and it's like, oh, I probably shouldn't do that, especially if I don't know the person that well. <laughs> So I think just being in those moments and being aware, and I think uh, a big part of what you've done with etiquette has helped helped me be more aware of those things. It's amazing to think how discipline we think of. I think we just like squirm with it, that <laughs> word even, because it has to do with obedience and humility and if we were like perfect, we wouldn't really need that discipline. It's right. it's for the end goal of that virtuous life and life in Christ. But it's amazing how even the smallest amount of discipline can lead to super abundant freedom. But to embrace that that sacrifice out of love for not only ourselves, but God and our our families, it just the littlest amount of discipline has so much fruit. It's just such a tiny seed, but it it can flower into something beautiful. Right, that is beautiful. We would love to hear how you discipline your experience. If you have any tips or tricks or advice, <laughs> please share it with us. Feel free to email us at Michael and Claire at findingphilathea.com. That was such a rookie mistake, a beginning (laughs) blogger mistake that we made our email so long. I apologize. But if you're able to type it out, we will definitely read it because that takes a lot to type out. So thank you. But (laughs) let us know, email us, direct message us on Instagram and We hope that you have a blessed week before Christmas, a beautiful Christmas, and we cannot wait for the next episode of the Finding Philothea podcast. God bless you.